0: Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
2: And we're on, and welcome to Draft Week. Happy Draft Week. As always, we are brought to you by BetterEdge.com. Go to BetterEdge.com slash the number five reasons, and you get $20 just for signing up. And of course, price picks. Use promo code 5, F-I-V-E. You deposit $100, you get $100 right back because it's a one-time rollover. So essentially, they're giving you a free $100 to bet with. And if you're judging by what Jimmy Butler usually does in the playoffs, just take him on the over on points every single game. And it's a free square every time. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. Um, I guess who wants to go first to talk about some doings on OnlyFans? Chris,
3: yeah, um, I, I think that uh, you know OnlyFans three dollars a month. That's um, the usual, uh, the usual spiel that we've uh, gone on about. But um, but we do have some uh, some new things going on there um, for people that might be interested in it. And uh, we've got some. Uh, we're we're starting to roll out some uh, some more offerings uh, within OnlyFans. Um, and I think that that's really exciting. We've already got, you know. A considerable amount of interest in them, and um, and so it's uh, it's been it's been jumping today. So I, I think that's um, uh, without going into it too much, it's just uh, it's been, it's been uh, pretty uh, pretty hot today as far as um, as far as everybody uh, talking and chatting, and we got a lot to chat about, and the draft coming up in um, in a couple of days. No, so, yeah, yeah, we're boom. we're
2: yeah, we're currently in that montage where Sosa is talking to Tony Montana that's that's our that's our mode right now <laughs> all right
1: that's not boobs
2: no. no 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 although that would be you know it's a it's 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 a consideration for the future <laughs> it's feet feet pictures <laughs> yeah all right we got to get started here this is the biggest news in the NFL today so we have to get started there started here simon the dolphins have called in cam fleming for a visit this is huge news this is the big one your thoughts
1: i mean this is probably one for chris because chris is uh <laughs> is front and center of the cam fleming uh for canton uh campaign uh, <laughs> www.camforcanton.com um so i'll probably hand this one to chris uh
2: chris uh tell us how many Pro Bowls he's gonna make in the next three years
3: well, considering he's already a 10-year vet, um, I think at least, you know, he <laughs> probably, probably only has another, uh, you know, seven or eight Pro Bowls left in him. Okay. That's you know, enough. That's, that's enough. That's enough for our purposes, really. I mean, yeah. what more could you expect? Um, no, I think that this is uh, this is interesting. I, I, actually, what's kind of interesting to me about it is if you look back through, um, you know, kind of the history of us this off offseason and the, and the guys that we wanted, I mean – uh Alf, I think you brought up Jalen Ramsey on the on the podcast like several times. And of course, of course, Simon and I just shot you down mercilessly. <laughs> and then and then the Dolphins traded for him. So um, but um, but there's that, you know, Simon brought to up. To be Dave fair, Long. to be
2: fair, I was gonna be a complete clown about it and offer fifty one for him. And <laughs> Greer got him for less. So
3: yeah. Um and then uh, if you look at Simon, you know, Simon brought up David Long ages ago, ages ago as being an absolute perfect fit for the Dolphins. And um, and sure, you know, and he, I think he was across the board with all of us, our favorite linebacker in the free agent market, um, Eric Saubert, a guy that, you know, we talked about, I talked about a lot, um, especially only fins as being probably the most attractive kind of like bargain level tight end. Um, on the market for, for what we want to do, um, on, on the Dolphins offense and, you know, just going, going through it all. And now all of a sudden Cam Fleming appears and and Cam Fleming is a guy that, of course, I talked about a whole lot, um, earlier in the off season, I mean, what's so attractive for about him is is that um, in his ninth year as a, a veteran, uh, I've never seen him, you know, his technique look smoother. Uh, I've never seen him play better. Um, he played under Butch Berry last year for the Denver Broncos. He started he, he played he was a fire extinguisher. He played right tackle, then he moved to left tackle, then he moved to right tackle, then he moved to left tackle again before the before the end of the year. And and you know, to be able to switch so seamlessly between sides is you can't you can't really understate that because um, because you know we've talked about it here about the the attractiveness or I guess unattractiveness. Of um of drafting a left tackle and trying to get him you know switch him over to right tackle you know for a lot of guys that doesn't work you know and um and and yet here he is he's moving back and forth left tackle right tackle left tackle right tackle going against Khalil Mack Max Crosby you know Frank Smith uh, Nick Bosa guys like that all the while and uh, and, and just doing his job and doing his job well. I mean, he was the best offensive lineman on the on the line on Denver's line last year outside of Garrett Bowles, uh who got, you know, their their star left tackle who got injured. Um, you know, uh, if that sounds familiar, you know. <laughs> um, base, so basically, he they had the Denver Broncos had issues at right tackle, uh talent and and injury issues and uh and their star left tackle you know only played like half the year or something like that. And this was a guy. This was a stabilizing force that was able to help them get through it, and and still, you know, have a, a decent performance on the offensive line. Um, and and that ought to sound familiar to us because that that that's like the Dolphins. I mean, you know, we have Teron Armstead who can't stay healthy on the left side, and and then on the right side we have Austin Jackson who's got big question marks. So hosting him for a visit today kind of suggests to me that uh, one they do have plans for the tackle position in the draft, which is good news because we haven't heard that much solid indication that they do. Um, And then B, you know, if they, if, if whatever they're trying to do in the draft doesn't work out at tackle, they do have a nice fallback Um, because I think Cam Fleming is the ideal swing backup, you know? And, uh and so I think that this was, Just all the way around, good news, Um, you know, and clearly, Um, clearly eclipses the Aaron Rodgers trade.
1: I see Barry did say that no signing is imminent, so
3: right. I wouldn't expect any signing until after the draft. This isn't you, you don't you don't go and sign him days before the draft. You know, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Although if it happens, Simon, you you have some ideas as far as what that could do for the Dolphins on Friday, right? It gives them a little bit of freedom.
1: Yeah, potentially gives them a bit of flexibility. Although we'll get into it in terms of some players that we think they they might target at that position. And I, I think you're, I, I think what you're going to see is, and it's a conversation that we were having 90 minutes ago on on WhatsApp between the three of us, which is that I think they missed on Jamari Salia last year. I mean, they are definitely looking for a guy who's got some position flexibility, who they can cross train at, at right tackle, who can cross train at guard, but also has some significant experience at left tackle. Jamari Salia was the absolute perfect example. Ended up going in the sixth round, bizarrely. The Georgia left tackle, um, who had a tremendous season. Rashawn well, Slater goes down week one, week two with the with the uh, the, the torn muscle out for the season. Uh, and Salia steps in and pretty much doesn't miss a beat from an all-pro left tackle in Slater. Um, you know, Slater comes back and, and Salia can go to the right side. He can go to guard. Um, he was terrific. And I think the Dolphins are looking for that kind of guy because... Realistically, as great as he is, Toronto Armstead is probably not going to play 17 games plus playoff games. You know, we saw that he could have been, you know, he talked about the fact that he could have been checked out after the end of week one last year. He could have been Mm. gone with the foot injury, played through it, played really well generally, had a couple of games where he was a bit, it was a bit of a struggle physically. But, you know, they need a guy that they can be sure of at left tackle uh, who isn't going to let them down, who's had experience at a decent level in college. Um, rather than that sort of rotisserie of guys, Greg Little and Kendall Lamb and and these kind of guys who just couldn't cut the mustard. They they need a guy who can protect Tua. Um, so I, that that is absolutely what they're looking for. So, you know, Fleming would be interesting, but I don't think it would necessarily remove them from taking a guy who has played left tackle in a, in a Power 5 conference, probably in a Power 5 conference. There's a couple of guys small school guy we'll talk about but you know somebody that they can feel fairly comfortable at a push putting him at left tackle and thinking, you know what he's not going to absolutely shit his pants Mm
2: -hmm. no absolutely i completely agree and you know in the second half of the show we're gonna you know we've we've already covered every single one of these units at nauseum for the last month you could get all of all of our shows on our itunes feed on our Wherever you get your your podcast, Spotify, anywhere, it's the number three yards per carry. You know us. Um, we have over 10 hours on all of these prospects. And in the second half of the show, we're not going to go over all the prospects, but we're going to talk about what we want them to do now that we've laid that out. But before we do that and before we go to break, we got to talk about this. and Rodgers, it's a pretty big deal. I think that the Jets, I don't know. I'm not going to say that they, that they got off light because if he retires in a year, they're out of first and they're out of second. You know, so that would not be a good thing to pay a first and a second for one season of Aaron Rodgers. But I think it changes some things. I'll say a couple of things before I kick it over to Simon to get his take on this. I don't think it changes much inside of the division. And I'll tell you why. The Dolphins last year were not good in the division. They lost to every team in the division. And they went nine and eight. They went three and three in the division. Lost to each of those teams because. Evidently, Teddy Bridgewater forgot how to play football in New England. So I think the goal for all three of of the teams in the AFC East that realistically have a shot at winning it, that's Buffalo, Miami, and the Jets, I don't think that the Patriots can win the division. I think all three teams have to be thinking the same thing, which is split with each other. Miami has to split with Buffalo, split with the Jets, and then sweep New England. And if you do that, then you're 4-2 and in the division. And then it's just about who is best against everybody else in the AFC and in the NFC. And then best record gets the division. And I think that's basically what it's going to mean. The only byproduct I think that you get from an Aaron Rodgers, you know, introduction of Aaron Rodgers into the AFC East is that the one seed is no longer in play. And you could see something like, it could be a complete bloodbath because, like I said, uh, all, all three teams could be, you know, beating each other and new England is the one who gets to pay for it. But the rest of them, I'm going to have to pay for it by not having a one seed. And they're probably going to win the division by winning 11 games or maybe even 10 games. You have a situation where all three teams are 10 and seven or one is 11 and six and the other two are 10 and seven and one is nine and eight. And you could realistically have three teams that are as good as any of the others besides Kansas city. And they could all realistically make the playoffs and, be probably a challenger to go all the way to the Super Bowl. But I don't think it changes much. I, I do think that it puts the one seed out of play. But the mission is pretty clear. Split with everybody, sweep New England, and then just beat everybody else. And that's how you win the division this year. I don't think it makes too much of a difference. Uh Your thoughts on Aaron
1: Rodgers, AFC East? Oh, I mean, bad, bad day to be a Patriots fan. Yes. I'd say first off. I mean, look, it's an interesting deal. You can look at it from both sides, right? The Packers get a, a first-round pick swap in this year, right, which 13 for 15 is kind of late day two value. That, you know, that's real. Mm-hmm. Um, high second-round pick, uh, a likely first-round pick in 2024, and at worst, a second. $60 million financial obligation off their hands for a player that was never going to play for them again. That, that That's a, you know, from the Green Bay side, that's a pretty sweet deal. But from the, from the Jets' side, you know, number one this year, it's really only two spots. Um, Jets get a hall of fame quarterback for a second and next year's first and the fifth, six rounds, you know, a fifth swap for a sixth round. So either side, I think comes away with it pretty, pretty fine with this deal. And I think it's a good deal for the Jets. Look, the, the Jets have got a championship window defense, you know, with a great mm. uh, head coach. I don't think Salah's a great head coach yet per se, but I think he's a excellent defensive coordinator and that defense is really good. And, you know, the, the, there's some terrific players on it. Um, and you look at the offense, look, if, if Brees Hall comes back healthy, Brees Hall and Michael Carter running back, you know, they're pretty packed at receiver. Corey Davis, Mikko Hardman, Alan Lazard, obviously, who's fantastic, the best run-blocking receiver in the NFL. Denzel Mims, you know, can he turn it on? Malik Taylor has obviously played three years in Green Bay with um with Rodgers and Garrett Wilson. You know, they've got Rucker, who we all like coming out of Ohio State, CJ Ozama at, at tight end. And they've got the fifteenth pick in the draft, and you know they need offensive line help. You know Paris Johnson probably will will be gone, but you know where's the situation on Skoronski Broderick Jones, another one. You know could they bring in uh, Broderick Jones to play left tackle, um, or do they target one of the tight ends? For example, do they think you know what we'll, we'll give Aaron Rodgers, Michael Mayer, or, or Dalton Kincaid, or or hell, let's just you know what if what if um, what if Bijan Robinson's on the board? You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I know they've mm-hmm. got Brees Hall, but he's coming off an ACL. But oh, Aaron, here's you know, maybe the best running back to come out since Adrian Peterson. Have a go at this, you know. So um, it will be interesting to see what they um, to see what they do, to see where they go. But um, you know, I think the Jets. Are, it's a great, it's a great trade trade for the Jets, and it makes the AFC hyper competitive. And you know, who doesn't want to see Aaron Rodgers play? Bring it on!
2: Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Your thoughts? Uh-
3: yeah, I think that this is I mean if you're a Jets fan clearly you have every every right and reason to be optimistic now. Like super optimistic, right? Yeah. You got a got a great defense, uh a great defense um and good players on it and good coaching and you feel really confident in it. Um you do have weapons. I mean it's it's not even just the the receivers that, you know, we're talking about but you know, as you said Brees Hall but um Michael Carter the running back, um you know, uh I think that um
2: and and hate to interrupt you. Uh, I love Garrett Wilson because what he had to put up with last year and the season that he had, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it kind of tells you all you need to know, really, right? You know, he was he was getting they had some they had a collection of stiff's throwing him the football, and he still mm-hmm. had
3: a great season. So yeah, as a and, and I think that um, I think that the thing to pay attention to. Well, first off, as this affects the Dolphins, and I think that there is. Um, there is some some knock on effects. Um, one, the the pick that the, the Packers skipped, you know, from fifteen to thirteen, was New England's pick. So, um, you know, I think that uh, if if the to the extent that the Packers might be looking for the same type of player that New England is looking at, you know, you could it's it's possible that New England is out of um of a target because of it but but I think probably more importantly is if the dolphins are targeting a, an offensive lineman with the 51st pick the 42nd pick that uh that the jets gave up to the packers um you know clearly the jets would be looking at offensive line just like us um at, based on based on the way their rosters uh composed and now that's in the packers hands and the packers you know, the last thing they need is offensive linemen, I think. Um, You know, I think that they're, uh, they're, they have, they have generally an embarrassment of riches along the offensive line, so much so that we, we couldn't help but talk about, you know, whether Josh Neiman would be a uh, restricted free agent target for the Dolphins. Um, So that does affect the Dolphins. But if you're the Jets, I, I think it really does come down to Aaron Rodgers and what kind of season he's going to have, what kind of, what kind of focus he's going to have and how he's going to play. I, the thing that I would watch out about it is, you know, yeah, he does know the offense um, because they brought in his uh, an offensive coordinator uh, familiar with him, but um, does everybody else, you know, and, and how much patience does Aaron have? Because he kind of is known for, you know, picking out guys that, you know, he thinks this guy – This guy gets it and, you know, he he starts favoring like you don't want to run into a situation where Garrett Wilson is not getting the ball in favor of Alan Lazard, you know, (laughs) Um, because Aaron is familiar with Alan Lazard. You know, like that's that's something that I would watch out for is just the general friction between personalities in that offensive room. Um, But, you know, that's that's. That's a stretch. This is this should be a very good team, and this is going to be a dogfight. So, um, so yeah, it's a you know not not great news for for any of us in the AFC East certainly. Um, um, but it did it did cost the Jets a first and a second, and that's a significant price. That's a you know we don't see multiple first round pick trades very often in the NFL anymore, and we certainly were not going to see that. I think with a 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers who basically had the Packers, you know, by the cojones and, and was like, I'm just not going to play for you. Um, so, you know, the the Packers did a good job getting a good value out of this. And uh, the Jets did give up a significant ask, you know, or, or a significant price for this. So they got to be in the mindset that he's going to play multiple years. Um, and we'll see if that happens.
2: Yeah, Uh, evidently, you know, they think they have a window. Uh, Everybody in the AFC East thinks that they have a window except New England. New England has a window to jump out of. That's all they have. All right, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, you know, enough about all these prospects and who's better at this and who's better at that, who's a better slot receiver, who's a better blocking tight end. We're going to talk about what we want the Dolphins to do on maybe even Thursday, but definitely on Friday and Saturday. But first, these words Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- 579 0356, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts.
3: I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per
2: Carry. All right, and we're back. Okay, Simon, we've talked about every single unit for the past month. Again, you could get all of those episodes, including our two on three YPC series that we did for a while on our podcast feeds. Uh, our multiple podcast feeds, anywhere you get your podcast? Spotify, iTunes, you know the rest. It's about what we want them to do now. And at 51, man, you could get a good player. Uh, Simon, what do you want them to do in this draft? I don't think we're going to go too deep into what we want them to do day three, but 51 and 84, what do you want to see happen? What do you want them to do?
1: Uh, They've got a hit on players that can contribute for me. I mean, that's the bottom line. I don't think you take Mulligan's. You can't take guys that you think are going to be really good in three or four years time. You can't take guys. I just don't think you can t- take guys with minimal experience. So to me, that rules out guys like Luke Musgrave. I think that's a perfect example um, of a guy you just can't afford to take. And, and maybe you, you lean into positions of uh, obvious early performance, you know, um, running back is one of those that that comes to mind, you know, Um I just don't think we can afford to have a Channing Tindall and an Ezu Karma who just sit on the sidelines all season and make no contribution whatsoever. You know, that was a complete mulligan last year. And this team has a Super Bowl window. I know you've only got four picks, but you've got to make those day two picks count. You've got to have guys that can come in and are really early contributors, um, you know, and are really making waves. Otherwise, it's going to be a massive issue. And because you're just going to have back-to-back mulligan Mulligan years, then they can't afford to do that. So, you know, I, there are a number of players I'd love to see. There's a couple of players I'd be absolutely over the moon to see. Um, uh, and one player, I think, specifically, who I just think comes in, starts day one, ends up being a 10-year veteran for this team. You might have to juggle some pieces around uh in the unit that he plays on. But for me, I just think you've good, you've just got to get you've got to get starters, you've got to get significant contributors. Um, and that to me is the absolute bottom line. Chris?
3: I mean, if we're if we're talking about specific players, I here's here's the problem. I think that there are guys that we all kind of like, you know, or not kind of, I mean, we 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 really like in the draft. And we've talked about many of them. Um we've talked about, you know, at tight end guys like Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta, um, Tucker Kraft. Uh, we've talked about, you know, on, on the offensive line, guys like Dewan Jones, uh, of Ohio state, Anton Harrison, um, John Michael Schmitz, the Steve, Al- uh, Steve Avila, uh, you know, I, I think I was recently getting uh, a little bit more of a look at, uh, North Dakota state Cody mock and, um, and he's, he's a, fa- he's a fantastic player. Um, so, you know, and he can play probably all five spots really mm-hmm. um and so we're talking about all these guys and you know other people have talked about other people are big fans of for example uh Jamar Gibbs um you know uh, uh simon and uh, and and Alf I know you both love uh Zach charbonnet um mm-hmm. and um, it's the most predictable thing ever that uh Mike McDaniel would like devin Devin Achane. um mm-hmm. or is that how you spell this or I'm a chain? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry about that. Um <clears throat> I've only seen it written. Um <laughs> but yeah, I think the, the bottom line though is that uh if you think about the we all like these guys because they're all really good and for the same reason they're all gonna go top fifty and we're probably not gonna get a <laughs> get a shot at them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so what would I like to see done on uh on the second day is actually trading up and, and getting someone, you know, because I, I, I see a fall off that happens right about at that top 50 level. And I think that, you know, even if it's a somewhat modest trade up, uh, trade up to get Dewan Jones at right tackle that would he's probably one of the few players that I can I can, you know, say I can point to I can look at and I say, you know what? That's that's immediately and significantly going to impact the Dolphins' offensive line and and really the season because you know as I've talked about many times it, it's not just you know it's not just about having twenty two starters and saying well you know somebody's got to be the weak, weak link and apparently it's going to be Austin Jackson <laughs> it's not just about that it's about it's about how these risks all uh, interact and co integrate with each other it, it's about how the risk with Austin Jackson interact interacts with the risk of Teron Armstead missing a bunch of time and interacts with Tua Tungabailoa, the injury-prone quarterback that he is, and I don't think there's any point in denying that he's injury-prone at this stage. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's about how all of that could interact with each other to torpedo a season, even though you would look at the roster and say, this is a stacked roster. You know, we should do really well. You know, uh, and so I, I think that if you trade up for and get Dewan Jones, and yeah, I, I share concerns about his uh, weight issues, possible work ethic. Um, and I know he's not the best style fit, but at some point I think talent o- trumps over style. And and that's the guy that's the guy that would make me sleep better at night. I'm going to be honest, you know, um, mm-hmm. but otherwise. Otherwise you've got John Michael Schmitz. Okay. What what'd you say?
1: No, I was who was the guy? Was it was it um was it Jones?
3: Jones, yeah. 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 Um otherwise, John Michael Schmitz, though, you know, and and maybe we don't get a crack at him
1: because he's too good. But he's the guy that I said, he's the guy that I was like that that he's to me that's the number one target, I think. To me. He just Yeah, and and it's justifiable. Yeah. hundred percent.
3: It's justifiable because, you know, if you think about it, first off, phenomenal player. Yeah. It's them style, you know, every, every single box, you know, check off the, the, the character work ethic, um, the intelligence, the mobility for that position, uh, that they were, that they require or want in this system. Um, and also he's a very strong player too. So he, you know, he's got a lot going for him, um. But think about this: you move you, you you get him at center, you move Connor Williams to left guard. You've now improved your left guard position a lot, right? And also, if Connor Williams is not the center and you're not worried about messing with the continuity at center, which you don't really generally do, then now he's a fire extinguisher yeah. at, at other positions. Taron mm-hmm. Armstead's missing some games. Connor Williams played left tackle in college, you know. Mm-hmm. Um Connor Williams can play right tackle. He could play left guard or right guard. He could play all five positions. Um and I think that uh I think that having that, that sort of flexibility would really improve a situation where you know you've got some injury issues that are gonna come up. And so you get a John Michael Schmitz at, at center and then you know frees up Connor Williams to be the starter at left guard, but also to move. Uh, to o- other places along the offensive line, you've done so much to solidify the glaring weakness of the team at the moment. So that's why number one is just trade up, get your guy. Um, but Dwan, but Jones and John Michael Schmitz, uh, you know those those are the guys for me.
1: What would you give up to move up?
3: I'd give up. I, I'd give up as much as a second rounder next year. I okay. think it's that important. I think the window is now, and you know they they have to they have to compete right now. They're not going to have two for for cheap, very much longer. And they've also got. We've been through the boatload of players that are up for extension. It's like two hundred million dollars worth of players,
1: you know. Mm-hmm. So, so you don't have a so, window that would give us a first, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh next year then.
3: Well, we're kind of used to that at this point.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for me, Schmitz, to me, Schmitz is the absolute, you know, I mean, look, people are talking about Brian Branch falling into the second round. I, I, to me, he's a top 10 player in this draft and I, I would move up to get Brian Branch, but you know, safety is not a must, but um, I, I think he's phenomenal. But Schmitz, you just come in and he starts for 10 years. He's an absolute leader. And Chris's point is absolutely nailed on appetite that you can move Connor. You cannot move Connor Williams from t- to left tackle or right tackle or left guard when he's at center. Okay. But you can do if he's at left guard. I just think it infinitely makes the line better. Um at a position of, you know, that interior three is a position of need, regardless. But that gives you Connor Williams left guard, John Michael Schmidt centre, and Rob Hunt right guard. I mean, that's a hell of a three when you've got Toron Armstrong on the outside, and then maybe you get yourself a Cameron Fleming or, you know, you look at some, you know a Tyler Steen or a Warren McClendon or some of these guys, you know, that we, we might talk about one. Morris is the Carter Warrens, et cetera, et cetera, that, mm-hmm. you know, we think could play right tackle Matt Bergeron, et cetera, et cetera. So um, to me, Schmitz is the absolute, he's the home run here.
2: Yeah. I completely, I completely agree with you on, on him. Uh, but that's a great, you know, that's a great question to ask, right? Uh, you're talking about, you know, Chris is talking about moving up to actually target one guy. Who are those guys that you move up to target? Because I would say, man, there's one guy that I look at and I like, man, if he's in the 40s, start figuring out a way to move up those 10, spot, those 10 spots to go get him. And that's Anton Harrison of Oklahoma. The more I look at him, man, he, he kind of looks like, I don't want to say Teron Armstead because because everybody, you know, is immediately going to say, well, you know, you know Teron Armstead's, a, you know, a borderline hall of very good guy. You know, like, I don't know if you want to start putting this guy in the Hall of Very Good, but, yeah, he looks like Teron Armstead to me. All right, on tape. I love Anton Harrison. I think he's a guy that maybe you could even play him at right tackle right away, and when Teron Armstead is gone in a year or two, he moves over to left tackle, and now you got your left tackle for the next 10 years. Um, So that's my my one guy that I, I would start thinking about moving up into the 40s to get if he's still lingering there. Like, some people think he might. Uh, who are your guys that you would move up for aggressively, Simon,
1: to go get? Um, I, Harrison worries me in a way only because those big 12 offensive linemen just generally worry me. That's just my own personal my own personal thing. Who would I move up for? Jamar Gibbs I really like. I can't see him getting past the Chiefs. I like Charbonnet, but I think you'd probably get him in the third round or they might fall between our two picks, second and third. Uh, receivers, who would I move up for? Nobody really. Washington, I really like. I'd worry about the knees a little bit and just what is, you know, you kind of know what the ceiling is, but, you know, he's got that sort of slightly boom or bust. Love Schmitz. Um, Who else would I move up for? Uh, I'd be interested in Kalijah Kansi just in terms of what Fangio would do with him. Uh, Mazzie Smith, I would move up for potentially, although it might not be very popular. Trenton Simpson, like I know he didn't have a very good year last year, but the year before when he was, Able to to do uh, what he would do in the Fangio defense in the Brett Brent Venables defense, I think it would be fascinating. I think he's a terrific player. Um, Brian Branch, I obviously would move up for. To me, he's a top fifteen, top ten player in this draft. Um, so there's not many, uh, but I think Chris makes a great point about Schmitz and 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 how it pertains to to Connor Williams. Uh, to me, John Michael Schmitz would be absolutely number. It is number one of the players I'd like the Dolphins to draft. Chris, you yeah, have a short think... list
2: on who you would move up for. And I you said you move up, a, you use a second. So that means that you're, you're willing to get into those in the, into the thirties, I would say.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I would, uh, I would say that a- Anton Harrison is potentially on the list. I, I, I think I would, I would be curious what the Dolphins think of, uh, think of him. I think that they probably think well of him. Um, and so he he is on that list, but, you know, if we're moving up and we're potentially even using a second round pick, I want to find out exactly how far, for example, um, you know, uh, Darnell Wright might fall based on some things that we've talked about that Bob McGinn has talked about with, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's concerns about him around the league that of, you know, his attitude, he has an entitlement issues and, um, and you know, some people wonder if he's a uh, if he's a strong worker or not. Uh, if he starts a slide, you know, then then start start getting your start lining up your. And you he's know.
2: evidently an internet to- troll on top of all of it. So oh yeah,
3: he's he's a tremendous internet troll. <laughs> um, so
1: I got, um, I got trolled by a um, a free agent, Caliber Receiver, the other night. Who <laughs> I mean, he was listed as running a four seventy seven in the local paper. On NFL draft scout and somebody else, and I. So I wrote, he, you know, he's got great size, but he ran a galactically slow four seventy seven. <laughs> and then he really got in my grill on on Twitter. <laughs> Mess, let me find it.
3: Guarantee, uh, um, guarantee that the Dolphins signed him now.
1: Um, dude, yeah, you yeah, no,
2: absolutely. The, the, you remember Divine Diablo? He put out a hitman oh, yeah. out on me last year,
1: remember? <laughs> I mean, fuck me. Jalen Phillips DM'd me when I was talking about the concussion <laughs> stuff, and he was, like, getting really narky about it. It was just like, dude, like, this has come from, like, 60 different sources. So Isaiah Winsted, the wide receiver, uh, the guy from Alabama, transferred from Alabama, went to East Carolina, 6'3". So I put... Uh, oh no, no, that's not him. Sorry, uh that was Tyrell Shavers, wasn't it? My, Miami also reached out to East Carolina wide receiver Isaiah Winston. He was six three two ten at the Pirates' pro day, but ran a galactically slow four seventy seven forty. And then he just put "laugh my ass off" if you think I ran a four seven, dude, you lost your mind with a, with a crying <laughs> with a crying emoji. And then after that, he then sent me another message with a photo with a video. With his size, 6'3", 210, 20 reps at 225, with a zipped mouth, and then a video that <laughs> has to be seen to be believed in a way. Like he's doing a 10-yard split with a video. You So you see the video, but then somebody underneath is filming on an iPhone, um, you know, the timer on an iPhone, and then adding up the 10-yard split, the 20-yard split, the 30-yard <laughs> split, and the 40-yard split <laughs> to make a four, is it? Two sixty one plus one eighty six, so four forty seven. So then he put, he put, he's quote tweeted me, and then put, stop playing on my top for real. <laughs> so that told me. But wow, <laughs> I'm still going with the four seventy seven because I'm sorry. Using the uh, a video with the stopwatch timer and then the iPhone calculator to add the three splits up is not my idea of an exact science
3: yeah i mean uh hopefully his ma- hopefully
2: his math is uh is, is good. Wow. Yeah, I, I remember now, uh, my favorite was divine, divine diablo went after me and then his mother went after me and then his brother went after me i had three people oh, in my dms making sure to tell me that i was completely full of crap with my assessment of divine divine diablo
3: i actually liked him as a player too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, evidently I, I slandered the guy, and he heard it because mm. I didn't mention him anywhere else. You know, so oh, he that's... had to you had to have heard it on the podcast or somebody. You know, uh, you, you know we have we have our li- we have some listeners that are complete snitches, right? That oh, at yeah, these players and tell them, hey, these guys are talking about you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. that's how I'm, that's how I became friends with lifelong friends with Andrew Van Ginkle. You know. um because i say so many nice things about him that he recognizes me at at camp every year and you know we hit it splendidly
3: well he doesn't he he must not like me because all i ever post all i ever put or tweet about with him are the the picture of him looking like a serial killer (laughs) so um You know, and and that's and that's I think that's fair, because if you take a picture like that, then you just have to own it. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, back to the topic, I think, you know, I would like to find out where Darnell, if Darno Wright is sliding because of um, some issues that Bob again brought up. Um, it may not be true at all. Uh, but, you know, let's see. Uh, after that, you know, between John Michael Schmitz and Dwan Jones, you uh, you know, I, I almost I flip a coin for me. I, I recognize that John Michael Schmitz is like, you know, check every single box kind of guy, whereas Dewan Jones has has questions. Um, but I also think that the the position and the talent you know factor into. Um, and then after that, you know, Anton Ton Harrison. I, I I don't know that, I don't know that I would uh, trade up for Darnell Washington, but if he does begin his slide, um or at least I wouldn't trade up the price tags that we're talking about for Darnell Washington. But if he does begin his slide, I would be keeping an eye on him, you know, um, because I, I just think that he can impact this team in his own way, even in pass protection, um, you know, and help. I think he's a guy that will help Tua out a lot. Uh, in other words, and, and that's my, that's my goal here because I think that we have a potent quarterback and a potent passing attack and if you can just let those guys work then we have something special
2: yeah absolutely all right now let's let's do this let's try this little exercise where we could we could sound really really smart cuz i could cut this up and you know play these sound bites on Monday, just, and we're going to look brilliant,
1: right? Just before this, can I just say that the Dolphins are reaching out to an awful lot of the undrafted free agent kind of target guys, seventh-round undrafted free agent guys. We've had loads of them, and there's more today. So Lachlan Pitts, the William & Mary tight end, they Zoomed this week. Dominic Q on the Southern Miss linebacker, another 6'1", 262. Gervin Hall, uh, I think it was at Miami, Gervin Hall, but he's the safety at Utah State, ran a 443. Another guy who they Zoomed with this week. When you've got four picks, they need to absolutely crush the UDFA market. And they are reaching out to a lot of players. I mean, on OnlyFins, I've posted a massive list of the UDFA targets that they've they've been looking at. Tyre Carter, a guy who on Friday night, Chris and I were like going down the rabbit hole and watching the kind of free safety bombing around one on one with Tucker Craft in the FCS semifinal, championship semi-final. I mean, that's what we do on a Friday night because we're that fucking sad. But yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> UDFA kind of guys that the Dolphins are really. Vandarius Cowan, Maryland uh, uh, linebacker was Alabama. Um, he's another one that they, So, you know, there's a lot of players. All
2: right. Now, th- as I said, this is going to be that little exercise where we could, you know, come off sounding extremely smart on Monday or extremely dumb. But we're going to do two things. Give me one guy. I'll go first. Give me one guy that you would like to see them take at 51 that's completely off the wall, completely off the, you know, outside of the, you know, off the radar, let's say, and then try to call your shot at 51, and I'll go first. I'd love if Jonathan Mingo is on the board at 51. Just take him and just pair him with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, and let's see what they can do in 11 personnel, because I think that's... The impact that he could give, he could have on this team would be ridiculous. Now, as far as calling my shot, I'll call my shot on both picks. At 51, I think they'll take Keanu Benton. Defensive tackle from Wisconsin. And 84 took a craft, the tight end. So that's that's my that's my you know thinking on this. And, and if anybody asks uh, why a defensive tackle, well, they're, they're not going to have any of them under contract in a year. And the best case scenario is going to have Christine Wilkins under contract with a very large number, and they're not going to have the money to pay Zach Sealer, who, if he has the season we expect him to have, is going to be extremely expensive and probably outside of our price range. I like the player. I think that's who they take at 51. Took a craft at 84. You don't have to call 84, Simon, but give me your off-the-wall guy and then try to call your shot at 51.
1: Uh, Off the radar, off the wall guy, Derek Hall of Auburn, a player I absolutely love, Uh, edge rusher. Just go back and watch the Iron Bowl a couple of years ago. He absolutely, when Auburn were 10 0 up or 12 0 up late on and and Bryce Young brought them back to win, he was phenomenal in that game. Absolutely took over, was dominant. Uh, I think he's a really good player. Um, I actually agree with you. I think they'll take Keanu Benton as well, actually. I'd love them to take Schmitz. But I've been I've been talking about defensive tackle a long time on the pod in terms of, you know, this is what I've heard on numerous occasions. that The Dolphins want to take a DT. And I think Keanu Benton would be that guy. Uh, 84, I think Sam LaPorta, um, I think might be the guy. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with LaPorta.
3: All right, Chris, you're off the
2: wall yeah. guy and then try to call your shots.
3: This is tough. Uh, this is this is tough for me because you know if if we mean by off the wall, then you know we're that that we're talking about not a um, you know not a uh, offensive player, I guess. Uh, because most well, people... I took
2: a wide receiver and, and well, yeah, an edge so. edge rusher.
3: So um, you know, I I I talk about him a little bit. Uh, 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 Steve Avila. Uh, he's generally not talked about for Miami, but he would not surprise me at pick 51 or really. Uh, I think that's about where he's, you know, he's going to be going going pretty close to that. And I think that he's plug and play. I think, I know that, you know, Mike McDaniel, uh, has a relationship with Duke Manyweather and, you know, Duke Manyweather cannot stop talking about Steve Avila. Um, and, you know, I kind of, I kind of wonder about that sometimes a little bit. So, you know, if that's, if that's sort of a, a below radar, um, if that's not below radar enough for you, then I would say Devin A-Chain. Um, but uh, as for myself, you know, what do I think they're going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to steal from you, Alf, but I'm, I'm doing it around early. I think Tucker Craft might be their guy. Um, and I think that he might be their guy at 51. And I don't think you have a chance in hell of getting him at 84. Um, so I think that, uh, I think that he might be the guy at, at 51 uh, for the Dolphins. I think just in terms of uh, his run after catch ability, his physicality, explosiveness, um, you know, the just general attitude, I, I get he's just. He's so right up there, right up Mike McDaniel's alley. He really is. And um and I think that there have been a lot of signs that they that they really like this guy. Um so that's that's the shot that I'm gonna call at fifty one. That but um but you know, it, I wouldn't mind seeing them take Steve Avila or even Devin A chain. All
1: right. The, um, and- I, I do wonder about A chain and wonder whether or not they can just not give in to, they can just give in to mcdaniel just wanting an absolute speedster to start who can just do so much in that offense i just uh wouldn't be surprised if the a chain was the pick or a pick
2: all right and now to close out this this podcast right before the draft uh we're gonna try to uh, we're gonna do this exercise again where if we're wrong on all this all these things like we just won't mention them ever again but if we're right i'm gonna start playing these <laughs> clips all over the internet all right and especially this one right Uh, I've had some success with this. I hit this two years in a row. I didn't hit it last year. Okay? So, two out of the last three years. I got the the exact five to start the draft, and I'm going to try it again. All right. The top five is the Carolina Panthers, Houston Texans, Arizona Cardinals, Indianapolis Colts, Seattle Seahawks. All right. This is how I'm going to do it. Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young, Houston Texans, Will Levis, Arizona Cardinals, Will Anderson, the Colts will take CJ Stroud and the Seahawks will pair Tariq Willen with the best cornerback in this draft, Devin Witherspoon. That's my top five. I think I got them all. I got them all five. I got all five.
1: Simon, I mean, did I get I, all five? Or no, you, you might have got you've got one and that's it. Really? Yeah. Houston aren't taking a quarterback. Okay. I don't think. Not there. I think, I mean, I think there'll be trades in the top five anyway, but I think Bryce Young at one. Uh, Tyree Wilson at two Paris Johnson at three uh, who's at the fourth pick oh Will Levis at four and Jalen Carr at five hmm.
3: well well you almost you almost have mine exactly <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I would say I would say Bryce Young of course um, and I agree with you I don't think the Texans are going to take a quarterback at two uh, although there could there could be trades and whatnot um, and so Will Levis still might go at two but I think that uh, the Texans at two would take Will Anderson not Tyree Wilson um, and then I think at three I think you're right about Paris Johnson at four uh, that would be Will Levis and at five I am going to have the Seahawks taking Jalen Carter as well
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah all right and you know I would go out here but I noticed that both of you kept CJ Stroud outside of the top five. He's done nothing wrong. He has this, he has this, what is that, 18% score in that Connison test, which kind of makes him what, brain dead? Uh, You know, he has that hanging over him all of a sudden out of nowhere. What is that about?
1: Yeah, I mean, put the tape on and see what he did against Georgia, but I can understand that teams are, you know, I know Brady Quinn got hammered for it, but, you know, I'm told that the the 18 score is right, uh, and I, you know, have heard that there were some issues at the Manning passing camp in terms of, you know, conversations pre the camp that I don't think necessarily went down very well. But look the kid's generally seems really good. He's got good character. He's very quiet, apparently very kind of not introverted, but you know, Justin, Her- same thing as Justin Herbert was, wasn't necessarily seen as a, you know, a, a rah-rah guy, a big, you know, like a Levis or a, you know, a Richardson much, much quieter, but you know, to not go in the top six is not the end of the world. You know, you could see a team, you know, then you're looking at teams like Tennessee. That's where Houston start to move back up. You know, there are, there are opportunities and options for to go to to go to a good situation. Detroit potentially. Um, you know, sit and learn for a year behind uh behind Jared Goff. Although I don't think that, you know, I mean, imagine Detroit at six could find themselves staring in the face of Will Anderson to pair with Aiden Hutchison. I mean, come on. That would be pretty special.
2: Yeah. Well, I love the quarterback. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be a good one in the NFL. Uh, you know, he checks so many boxes, it's ridiculous. Uh like I, I talked about on an earlier episode, I did my checklist with... Uh, actually, in the quarterback episode, I did my checklist with 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 Chris Kaufman, and how many did he score out of 10, Chris, out of, in that checklist?
3: Didn't he score all 10?
2: Yes. 10 for 10. Uh, in reference, if you want to think about our guy, uh Valo scored very well. He had 7 out of 10. He failed the injury and the location test, uh, as well as, I believe, one other one, which I gotta look up, but... Try to enjoy the draft. It's going to be fun. Dolphins don't have a first-round pick, but you get to hate-watch the New York Jets. And who cares about the Patriots? But you get to hate-watch the, the Bills. God help us if B. John Robinson is on the board when the Bills pick. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, Can I just
1: throw a couple more names out uh, Hit it. just as we're going? So, Vidarius Cowan, linebacker at Maryland. Dolphins reached out to you this week. They had a Zoom on Friday with Kenny McIntosh, the Georgia running back. Uh, I'm gonna save the best to last. Uh, Ball State wide receiver Jason Jackson says Cleveland and the Dolphins are the two teams that are showing the most interest. West Virginia corner Wesley McCormick is another who Miami reached out to last week. And then actually, I'm gonna leave the two best to last. I don't know what position this guy is because I've literally just uh, been messaged it. A guy called Yo Heinz Tyler, and that's Yo apostrophe Heinz Tyler. Yo Heinz Tyler has been speaking to the Dolphins, but also um, a quarterback, uh, a quarterback from Notre Dame of Ohio called Chris Brim. Now, we don't get much. I didn't even know there was a Notre Dame of Ohio. So it's the first time we've ever heard of the school, let alone the quarterback. But Notre Dame of Ohio quarterback Chris Brim Zoomed with the Dolphins this week.
2: Uh, Johannes Tyler, I'm looking him up on my little database here that I created, and I do not have him in 258 players. So, so he
1: is a ball state wide receiver. There he is. Must I be
2: fast say. if if this this team is on to him.
1: He's 6'3"2. I tell you they're reaching out to a lot of big receivers. He's 6'3", 204. all of these kind of UDFA guys are all really big. He's a big guy. Like, this is like a fourth or fifth guy that's like 6'3" and above. Mm-hmm.
2: Which doesn't bode well for Cedric Wilson, right?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well yeah. if he's not well that that should be that should be our called shot right there right like
2: yeah that, yeah does Cedric I, Wilson make it onto the roster uh is he on the roster on Monday yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's go around the around the horn and then we can leave on that note uh I'll say no he'll he'll be elsewhere uh Monday Simon Cedric Wilson's on the roster or not
1: Ah, uh, no, but I tell you who definitely will be, and that's Emmanuel Ogba, who they really want to keep, who Fangio really likes.
2: All right, Chris Cedric Wilson, is he on the yeah, roster by
3: Monday? No, he's not. And on Ogba, I'm, I'm a little, you know, as I, as I see what kind of defensive ends and edge players they've been, uh, they've been looking for, as you know, kind of UDFA's. It kind of dawns on me that, you know, I can see why, I, why Fangio is, is looking at Ogba and likes him you know so um so yeah i think that i think cedric wilson is not emmanuel ogba is on the roster as simon says
2: yeah i agree with that too uh, ogba will be here this season he'll be here yep all right if you enjoyed the draft as much as we do we gave you a lot of content this entire month you can go back again in our archives go check out all our all our podcasts on our entire draft series we did every single position unit and then we topped it off with this today So try to enjoy it. We will talk to you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast
4: provider.